Okay, welcome to the uh, Tuesday edition of the Investigative Journal. I'm your host, Greg Szymanski. I'll be here for the next two hours, and uh, hopefully, in the next two hours, we'll, uh, we're going to have on today uh, Alan Watt, and he is a uh, a person that uh, boy, I'll tell you, he he talks about a lot of new things, and uh, he's got a website called Cutting Through the Matrix. And uh, at this point, we're trying to wait for Alan to get on the phone. Uh, but we'll be with him in a minute. We'll spend the next couple hours uh, discussing uh, many different things with Alan, including uh, the Vatican's connection to the New World Order and much, much more. But anyway, I wanted to mention that my new time uh, is 4 to 6 p.m., and that's Pacific time on the uh, West Coast, and I'll be on Monday through Friday on LibertyRadioLive.com every day, Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. You can also go to my website, and that is uh, that is at www.arcticbeacon.com. That's A-R-C-T-I-C, uh, B-E-A-C-O-N.com, and you can get a lot of articles uh, regarding... Uh, the New World Order, and much, much more. And, uh, I, Alan, are you on the line yet? I guess we're still... Alan, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, good. I didn't know if you were there. I'm glad you're here. But anyway, Alan, uh, you have a website called CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Why don't you tell the people uh, what you've been working on lately? I've been um, doing, very busy doing my talks that I give out every week on the histories of uh, the system that we live in and how we got to where we are now and all the different agencies and religions involved in controlling the people down through the centuries up until this point mm-hmm. into the new scientific dictatorship that we're moving into now, the, the world run by experts and professionals that have taken over from the old priesthoods, but they still use the old priesthoods too. To their advantage. So you talk a lot about hidden history. Um, I guess we can uh, start from a, a point. Uh, where would you like to begin? Uh, just the fact that um, because of man's basic need to to uh, to get in touch with something he thinks is out there bigger than himself, which is their, their deity, their god, their, their creator, whatever. Uh, that in all times, in especially in ancient times. Uh, priesthoods arose using that knowledge and, and distorting their truth and saying they had the truth. And because of that, they became very dominant um, over the people. They controlled the people's minds through the religion. Mm-hmm. And with them, uh, wherever they went, they brought the money system with them. That's very important because the money is, is a form of slavery. Once you get people to accept money, you can then tax it back from them. You can hire armies and go and conquer other countries. We're really seeing the culmination of thousands of years of this very technique coming to an end with the Middle East, and they're put under the exact same system for global domination. Uh, this agenda has been on the table for an awful long time, and it, it also takes the cooperation of all existing religions to go along with this if you notice, not one of the major religions or religious leaders is warning the public about the future and what it has in store for the general public, either in the cloning field, uh, the genetic engineering field, the eugenics field, uh, and the depopulation programs that they've been uh, putting forward for a long time. None of the religious leaders uh, who have the power, the power and the authority to tell people, look, 
start thinking about this, none of them tell them even talk about it or even discuss it, which tells you they're all in on this together at the very top levels. Right, so you're not you're not just talking. Uh, you're talking about all the major religions at the top levels, perhaps working together to mislead the masses. And this goes back a long, long way. Can you give us any kind of history that you uh, you uncovered uh, throughout the centuries that lead you to believe this is uh, true? It's not just um, coming to believe it. It's when you stumble across. Major figures in history, like Alexander the Great, for instance. Now, Alexander the Great was taught, his mentor was Aristotle, the philosopher. And Aristotle was married to one of the, the biggest international moneylenders of his own era. And uh, the same moneylenders from the Middle East funded uh, the Macedonians and the Greeks to go into Persia and take it over. They, they paid for the war, in other words. And all the people who were taken over had to pay it all back through taxes to repay the money sharks. But you find the same thing all down through history. Moneylenders, um, uh, uh, the, the leaders that teach and, and put up front men like Alexander the Great or maybe a George Bush in our time, uh, it's all the same old con game. They're all interrelated, we find, through their wives and through their mentors. They're all intermarried, interrelated, and this is their world as far as they're concerned. Uh, John Kerry's the same uh, with his wife, who's involved uh, in the Heinz industry. Uh, they said they'd take over the food industry, you know, 40, 50 years ago, because when you take over the food industry, you, you have war on the people. Uh, and, and war in all times takes into account economic war, food and water, all the basics when you're, when you're having a war on a city or on a whole country or on a world, you go for those primary things. And it's just a, a coincidence, of course, we have John Kerry who's married to the Heinz dynasty, uh, who I'm sure have been modifying those foods since they created the, the company called Heinz. Modification mm -hmm. of the food to the modification of the people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know what? I'm looking here on your website, and you're, uh, you have three books available, correct? One is Cutting, uh, cutting Through Number One, uh, and then Cutting Through Number Two, A Glimpse into the Great Work, uh, and then Cutting Through Number Three, Esoteric and Veil and the Meaning of Revelation, Revelations in the High Masonic Tradition. Why don't we stop, start with your first book and tell us what's that about? That's the Her... Uh, uh, go ahead. The, the Hermitage... Uh, uh, really, hermaphrodite has different meanings in the occult industry. Uh, in ancient times, they talked about the perfection of the human being, uh, where the left brain, left and right brain would be uh, working together, emotion versus reason. It would come to a, 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 a harmonized point, and that was the perfected man, or the lumined man, as they called it. Um, you'll find the same thing hidden behind major religions. In Genesis, the deity splits himself. He makes a, a double of himself. And from that double, he then redivides, subdivides Adam and Eve from it, meaning that the deity himself was male and female. That's the meaning in, in the Genesis. Uh, you also find the same thing in the writings of Plato. The deity they worshipped was neither... It was male on the front and female on behind when they walked, walked the other way. Uh, it, they're talking about... The ultimate perfection is going to be a creature which is neither male nor female, which can self-reproduce. And it's an odd 
uh, agenda to have, you might think, but it's always been here for thousands of years. Now, they have talked about the creation of the perfect worker human being uh, that would be both male and female and could self-reproduce. That way there's no conflict. The world they want to bring in has to be conflict-free, free from conflict of, of nations or races, ethnic groups, but also no conflict of gender conflict. That's what they call their utopia, their peace on earth. However, mm -hmm. the elites themselves have said they will not alter themselves. Uh, they will only alter the worker bees to be more perfect. And one day, if you serve the system of the state very well, uh, your, the honor you will have is the right to reproduce yourself, hmm. an exact model of yourself. And that's, uh, that's the first book. You talk a lot about that, correct? In that, yes, in and also first... how it's all done through the Masonic coding, uh, hidden in the language, uh, right, uh, right through all, so many different words that we use commonly without thinking of what they really mean. Uh, our language itself was given to us to contain coding, as all the high Freemasons know. You know, just uh, before we get into your other works, uh, the second and third books, uh, give us your thoughts about uh, religion, uh, about the Bible, about the Koran, about how all these things fit in in your thinking, and uh, whether it's important to, be, uh, to follow one of these groups or whether... Uh, you feel that uh, a person can find, I guess, the Creator without any of it. And just give me your thoughts about religion, the Bible, the Koran, and mm -hmm. uh, all the Jewish books uh, that tell about ways to find the Creator. What do you think? Well, if you go through, the, the mainstream religions all have, for the West in a way, all came from uh, basically the Hebrew versions and split off uh, the Christians would say it was the culmination or, uh, or the completion of Judaism to have a Messiah. Uh, most Jews think the Messiah is still to come, and, and you can have many Messiahs within Judaism. Anyone who furthers the cause is called the Messiah. And Mohammedism it was slightly tailor-made and altered to, to suit uh, the, the Arabic peoples, the desert peoples, um, and give them strong uh, laws, basically to be more cohesive as a society. So they all come from the same root. You'll find in every region of the world there's always a trinity of religions which are associated from a main root. And so for the, yeah, for the West, they gave them Judaism, then Christianity, and Mohammedism coming from, or Islam coming from uh, the same source. You'll find in, in the, the Far East, they give you Shintoism, a form of Japanese Buddhism, and... Um, and another mainstream religion, or, or Taoism, or Dazon as well. So you always have a trinity of religions for each region of the planet, and that's how it's set up. Slightly altered for the mentalities of different cultures. That's, all, that's the only difference there is. Now looking back at the Vatican's control over the centuries, uh, do you think they were involved in creating any of these religions? Uh, I know it's been said they've been involved. However... The Vatican, well, Roman Catholicism itself, you have to look at it through history's eyes to, to see how it even evolved. Yeah, go ahead. We have to realize that what you had was a Roman Empire that uh, knew it could not, it, it fell towards the end because it could not tax all of its colonies sufficiently to keep Rome in the lifestyle that, was, uh, that it accumulated and was used to. 
So they thought that religion was a better way to dominate the minds of whole people um, more cheaply, more effectively, especially if you could indoctrinate the young, you, you will never lose, lose them when they grow up. So the Catholic Church, remember, took someone else's religion, the Gnostic religion, really, mm-hmm. and the Gnostics believed, had, a, had a Jesus-type figure who was, they said, was mythical. He was a, a myth of a perfected man which they all hoped to emulate. So it's almost like a, a mascot, you might say, of a, of a perfected man, not a real person. And so they were arguing with Constantine when he had uh, the first great meeting in 325 AD to form this new universal church, uh, as, as it was called at the time. And he, because the, the Gnostics wouldn't go along with the Vatican saying, well, Jesus was a real person, uh, Constantine sent out armies to try and kill off all the Gnostics because they knew... Uh, according to them, that it was not a real person that had existed. Now, in Judaism, you have references to uh, Jesus in the Talmud and uh, in other writings of Judaism, which would make you think there was at least one character who could have been called uh, uh, Judah or Yehuda or whatever, but probably not Jesus. We know it meant the fish from the Greek, Jesus, and uh, it was for the age of Pisces, the fish, that it was created. Correct. Uh, and every era, it's the same long before that, you had the Ramesses line for the pharaohs in Egypt because their lineage began in, in the reign of Ares, the, 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 the ram, you see. Mm-hmm. So they always give you a, a religious figure for the particular constellation that rules for about two and a half thousand years or so. So the Jesus was to, to be meant to fulfill a period for 2,000 odd years and then you're into the age of Aquarius which we're coming into now and then he dies off, the new one takes over Uh, everything is stellar uh, occultic, lunar occultic and solar occultic in the world's history and the priests down through the ages simply change hats as they did for Rome they changed the the high priests uh, of Jupiter changed their hats overnight when they they were now called uh, the Universal Church. And then after hunting down all what they called were the pagan priesthoods, the Roman Church then began to adopt those very tenets of those priesthoods back into their own religion. And so we have that battle between Constantine and the Gnostics, the Gnostics saying that Jesus was a mythical figure, uh-huh. And then we have Constantine, uh, new religion, who is going to the, the Roman uh, Catholic Church, mm-hmm. who is going to say that Jesus was an actual man. Now, he is translated in the Bible as an actual man. What actually, how did that come about? What is your? I guess what I'm getting at is, let's deal with the firm Bible believers and then firm believers of the Koran and move on, but what would be your answer to a Bible believer who says this is really the only way to God, this, the words in this Bible have been written by God, and as they're written, they should be read and believed, and this is the way to heaven. What is your thoughts? Well, the, the, in a sense they're right. In that, very clever people put the Bible together, giving you the simple rules that would give you a, a really workable society if everyone followed the rules. 
including those who lead your countries, you see. Mm -hmm. But never in any age have the rulers in this system followed their religion. They make the people adult. Uh, we know that by, by history itself. The leaders have never followed the same rules as the public. So, so yeah, it would be workable for the people if everyone did adopt and follow simple rules. But however, these religions are, are have a, they're very Hegelian because there's, there's always a truth contained within. Uh, the falsehood is well contained within, but the truth is that they're supposed to be stepping stones to much higher truths. They're not meant to stay static and become dogmatic as a religion. They're supposed to progress onwards and upwards and, and carry the person who is truly seeking into a higher realm of understanding towards uh, a creator. If you notice that the main deity of Yahweh uh, for the Hebrew, old Hebrew, uh, is, a, is very much of a human character, very much of a human God with his failings, his anger, his temper, um, his favoritism, he can also change his, his mind when he wants to and kill you if he, if he has a sudden rage. So it's, it's really a projection of a human oriental type despotic king that you would find in the Middle East at that period. It was something that people could understand. The Greeks now talked about the, the Demiurgos. The Demiurgos is the base god at the low level of godhood, claiming there's four levels and that the base God is in charge of the world. He is the Lord of the world. And he, because the people are base, give, have very stringent um, uh, patriarchal-type rules to make their system work. He's unforgiving. He, he's very, he, he puts you off guard. You're never sure if he likes you or dislikes you. Um, however, he's not supposedly the only one. He's one level. So he's a demiurgos, and Jehovah fits that level perfectly well. If you notice, for instance, uh, the story of, of uh, Jacob. Jacob cheats his brother out of the birthright and the blessing uh, by pretending that he is the brother, and he fools his own father, who's blind or half-blind. Mm -hmm. So he lies, he, he, he cheats, and he steals the birthright, uh, and... and disobeyed his father, he broke all the rules and yet the God blessed him for being so crafty and cunning and made him the father of Israel now that's how the mafia would work <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and so you have to understand there's, there's high Masonic rules in there too because they do believe you should get away with things if you do it craftily and enough cunning um, and to get your way uh, the rules of, of the high uh, corrupt system is also contained in that Masonic Bible, the Old Testament, if you understand them. Now, mm -hmm. what, what, what deity that's for justice and all the rest of it would ever uh, allow that to, to, to happen and, and actually bless the criminal? Exactly. Now, you know, getting back to, uh, we were talking about the Vatican's role in the creation of all these religions. Uh, what have you learned uh, through your studies regarding that, whether the Vatican was involved in the creation of uh, uh, Islam, whether it was involved in the creation of uh, Christianity in a sense as we know it, uh, and what is their role in the Bible? Uh, have they been involved in rewriting that? 
The Bible, what, what have you learned? Yeah, the Bible's been written many times, always for political purposes, including the James, the King James Version was written to make the people obedient because J- King James thoroughly believed that he was God's representative on earth, uh, ordained by God. And he even wrote a big speech about that. Uh, King James said, uh, how dare the people inquire as to his decisions? He says, don't they realize that that I have the power of God given to me by God to do as I, and, and say and and do as I wish. Uh, that's how he truly believes. So, in the King James version, he st- he had all the writers stress that point that the government was put there by God and they should obey it. So it was written for a political purpose, with a lot of uh, high masons at the time uh, working on that very project. Francis Bacon and others were uh, helped to, to, to write that, that together. And, and what about interesting that? If you go back into the ancient Middle East, into Zoroastrianism, really, and that was the start of all of these religions, uh, Zoroastrianism, uh, the Zoroastrian religion uh, is the first one to come out talking about a good deity and a bad deity. Uh, later on in Judaism, you have a god and a devil, even though the devil, if you read Job, worked for God. God told him to go and torment people. He, he was a worker. He was, he was employed by God. But Zoroastrianism seems to be the one that they've all taken their, their cue from <coughs> uh, and created uh, Judaism from it and Christianity from it as well. And how far back are we going? Uh, it's a very mythical figure, but it's hard to put to Zoroaster. It's also from Zarathustra. And Zoroaster, in the old, old uh, system, meant seed of Ishtar. Uh, that's where the name comes from, Zoroaster. Uh, Zoroaster. Zoro also means the man with the mask, like Zoro. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, you also have the same thing in the Old Testament with the Zoro Babel, which means the seed of Babel. Why would anybody who'd been a slave in Babylon call themselves the seed of Babel? You're, you're looking at coding in there for the wise to understand. And of course, the profane are never taught the reasons, as they call them. Um, you're looking at very clever people running a system down through the ages with an exoteric for the public, be it Judaism, Christianity, or Islam, but teaching a high esoteric tradition for the ones in the know at the top who laugh up their sleeves at the public all the time. Have you ever had a chance to see that video, Zeitgeist, that has been no, on the web? No, I've heard about it. I haven't seen it, though. All right, I, I wanted to get your thoughts if you about it. Uh, yeah, I recommend you uh, take a look at it, because it goes back and talks about uh, all of the astrological symbolisms that are contained in all the, di- you know, in all the different religions uh-huh. and how they relate to the zodiac. Uh, regarding what we were talking about earlier, the age of Pisces, and coming on to the age of Aquarius. It's even, uh, in, the, it's even in the New Testament, if you understand what you're reading, <coughs> because, um, and I, I wrote that in the third volume, I went through the whole zodiac a few years ago, and explained what each one of them meant, in the higher esoteric meaning. And um, you'll find that, yeah, even George Bush Sr. said everything is going to the heavenly divine plan. What he was referring to was the zodiac and what they mean, because the zodiac to them is a timetable 
each, each part of the zodiac is part of the system that must come into play at a particular time according to an, an old, old plan. The, the Aquarius is even in the New Testament where Jesus says to his disciples, go in to town, find the man with the mule, uh, uh, and ask, ask for his mule. He'll be carrying a pitcher of water. And what he's telling them is that's Aquarius. Uh, the man with the picture of water was Aquarius. The whole thing is astrological. Yeah. Right. And uh, what happens here, we have a, a, you know, once we begin talking in these terms of the astrological sim, uh, similarities uh, that religions use, uh, you know, December 25th, and then we get into the virgin birth and the, uh, <clears throat> the other things, the resurrection, uh, things like that, and many, many different uh, uh, Jesus figures throughout history have had the same, uh, the same characteristics. It begins to uh, upset people who have this strict belief uh, that Jesus was a actual person put here, as the Bible says, God's son put on earth. Uh, and I wonder how you reconcile that. How can there be any reconciliation? Uh, let's just say, for argument's sake, uh, what's the difference if I believe if God is a myth or God is, you know, Jesus is real or Jesus is a myth? Uh, can we get to the same place, and that is uh, an understanding of truth and finding some type of meaning in life uh, yeah. or a creator? What's your thoughts? I think that people can, can find the higher truths uh, beyond the base truth, the laws that are given for the base public. Um, I, think the, I think the individual who is truly seeking will find it if they seek hard enough and they'll even go beyond whichever religion they've been given on the base level, the common religion. Very few do, but, but some are able to do it and use that like a stepping stone to get up and come in touch with something far greater than themselves, far bigger than the basic uh, Yahweh character with the human characteristics of the bad old, angry old man. Uh, there's something much greater in the world than that. And some people can go through, even I've talked to people from Islam who've gone beyond Islam on the same path too and come to the same conclusions only because they've done the, the journey themselves. They've left the dogma behind them, the dogma right. being given to the general public who need those basic rules at a certain period in their history. Exactly. And, uh, you know, we're going to take a break shortly. We've got about a minute, and then we'll come back for a second half hour. We'll be with uh, Alan Watt for the next hour and a half. And uh, you can find him at uh, his website, www.cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And you can find there a whole bunch of different uh, uh, works and articles. And I can see you've been doing a lot of radio shows lately. You've, you've, you've been on many, many different broadcasts. And I'm wondering, uh, in this last minute, what, uh, what are you finding people want to hear? I mean, you, you have a very broad uh, scope as you go back into history, but what topics are you finding that many people are wanting you to discuss these days? What's getting them is eventually is uh, I'm trying to get through to them uh, that, that even though they're sort of waking up to what's happening now in their lifetime, at this period with the big changes that are underway, what they want to know is how we got to this point. And then they're realizing what I've been saying is 
uh, you don't understand this has been going on for thousands of years and what you think of as normal meaning your culture was not normal at all it was one of many cultures they could have given you and that they change culture from the top and the people simply emulate it and copy it the America of, of today is vastly different from 20 years ago or 40 or 100 years ago it's constantly been upgraded as you upgrade a computer program and the public don't even notice they simply adapt yeah and I think what we'll do after this break we'll go, uh, we'll go back into history and really try to trace how we got to where we're at with Alan Watt we'll be back uh, in three minutes after these short messages Okay, uh, real happy to be back for this second half hour of the Investigative Journal on LibertyRadioLive.com. I'm your host, uh, Greg Szymanski. This is the Investigative Journal. My guest today is Alan Watt, uh, a website called www.CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, a website that uh, I recommend you go to and read. You can learn a lot about lost history, and uh, Alan's trying to bring us up to date with that. And before I get back to him, I just want to mention that... Uh, on my show yesterday, I had uh, John Levy, attorney for uh, the Croatian victims of the Holocaust, of the excuse me of the genocide, uh, and that is in a case called Alperin v. Vatican Bank that's going on in the federal courts today. And I uh, want to mention, go to my website and you can read all about that case, and it'll give you a little insight on really what the Vatican's up to and how they really play an important part in our geopolitical world. And they're not to be uh, uh, left out of the picture when you start talking about who are the real spiritual controllers of the New World Order and how they are trying uh, desperately to turn this into uh, an even more of a fascist country. They want total control. And I say to people, uh, beyond all the uh, understandings and wisdom of religion, we must deal with actual people on this planet right now and uh, we cannot let out forget about uh, the Jesuit general father Peter Hans Kovenbach probably one of the most powerful men in the world who works out of Borgo Santo Spirito Cinque that's uh, right next to the Vatican where the Jesuit headquarters are and uh, you need to just look him up do some research about him and see if you agree with me and many of my guests who have come forward to say we've got to check on the Jesuits, these guys are not going to let you go easy, and uh, they've been behind many, uh, many, many assassinations, uh, including uh, the one uh, we had C.T. Wilcox on yesterday, who has documented uh, the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, uh, and actually the Jesuits were behind that. Uh, we've also talked with others who talk about their role in the Kennedy assassination and also their role in creating the Federal Reserve System, the banking system. And also, we can't forget that if we do not deal with this issue fairly, we will never get to the real nuts and bolts truth about the New World Order, who they are on this planet today. Uh, and so uh, with that, let me get back to uh, my guest, Alan Watt. Alan, uh, you say this on your website, and we're going to get back to uh, what we were discussing at the break, and that was, how did we get to this point where America seems to be coming apart at the threads, uh, and how are, why are people in such a dilemma, right? Well, you look at everyone, and there are, you know, many, many people are just 
what is going on in this world, they say to themselves, and they, don't, they feel something, but they can't put their finger on it. But let me read this. And you say, in all ages, in all lands, there have been those who seek truth. This seeking is an individual search for something more than self, and much more than the confines of this worldly system that we live in. It is the seeker who understands there is more than what meets the eye, who is not afraid and makes the choice to go into the unknown. The process of awakening has begun. The discovery is underway. And you, uh, call, you, you give a course of deprogramming, uh, and I want to get into that. But let's go back. In your ask, can you give us kind of a brief uh, historical look back at how we got to this point? And maybe that'll help people uh, be able to cope with it a little better. Go ahead. Yeah, well, we got to this point uh, when money was introduced into civilization with cities. That's where civilization comes from as a city. You're a, you're a, a citizen of the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, if you look at the definition of a citizen, it, it says someone who is born with pre-existing duties to a system. Now, if you're born with pre-existing duties to a system, it means you're not born free. Mm-hmm. And they have to basically the big talk about Nimrod being the first builder of cities. Uh, mm-hmm. In a city, a city cannot supply itself with anything it needs to simply survive. It needs an artificial system and it is an artificial system. It must have this thing called money. It can then hire people who don't work for food, they work for money, and you buy your food, and then they can tax it back from you and create armies to go off and conquer. So even guys like Plato said that they would bring their utopia, their world republic, into being uh, by using the cities, because in a city, the culture is plastic, it is fluid, it is flexible, you can shape it and direct it into any direction that you wish it to go. And the public adapts so quickly in this system. It doesn't matter what kind of society it is, the public will adapt to it and think it's normal. A child born into a system where the parents don't know it's abnormal, uh, it means that the child itself will think everything that exists in that system must be normal and they will never question it. Um, so that text be- technique's been used for thousands of years um, to, to create a form of slavery. Charles Galton Darwin uh, admitted this in the 1950s. He was the grandson of Charles Darwin. He was a physicist, and he said uh, that they could actually... Um, he said, we've, he said that there has always existed a form of slavery, and we, meaning the elite, are simply uh, creating a more effective form of slavery today. That was the 1950s. That form of slavery is already here. People are wage slaves. Uh, they work like rats work for in a laboratory where they pull levers and get a seed. And that, that rat then begins to think that's normal and that's the only way that you eat. It's the same with people working for money. They are wage slaves. And if you add up all the taxes and hidden taxes that you pay, it's about 60% of your income. If you go back to the Middle Ages, the feudal system... The average serf, who, who did not own his land, uh, had to give 60% of all his produce to his lord, and he, and he was left with 40% to feed himself, his family, any, any cattle he had, and any other labor. So the rates of, are the same from the feudal system to the present system, and yet today, through propaganda, they keep telling us we are free. How can you be free if you don't really own the roof over your head? 
how can you live in, in a truly advanced society, what they call progress and civilization, when someone that you'll never meet in a city far away decides to send the taxmen after you and they take that, that roof from over your head and, and seize it. That's called stealing, you see. They mm-hmm. steal your property and through propaganda and through, through uh, altering perceptions, if a whole pub, uh, population taught that this is somehow normal, it's incredible how they can distort perception by the use of words. Uh, it, yeah, it's the, same, the same thing goes with uh, if you have a highwayman on the road uh, and he draws his pistols and holds you up and demands ransom money or you won't pass and you pay him off, you say this guy is a highwayman, he's a robber. If a cop does it and demands that he gives you a ticket or, or even cash, as some of them do nowadays for their bosses, He's called. He's doing his duty for the for the law, for the legal system. It's the same act. If the highwayman comes and steals your your stagecoach, you know he's stolen it. If the police impound your car, they call it impounding, not stealing. It's the same act. So perceptions are altered in this system to fool the public, and the public are trained to think this is all normal. That's how you distort perceptions. Exactly. So we we begin with this monetary system that creates our creates us into slaves. Uh, but can you get a little bit? Uh, can you get into some uh, historical uh, sequences that uh, bring us to this point uh, with the people that uh, you know in modern times, in a sense, from from the formation of our country uh, and how it's changed from the beginning till now. Well, even, even the creation of the United States, there's no doubt about it. Uh, it wasn't a sudden uh, idea to have a revolution. It took up years of planning, and, it's, and the founding fathers admitted that they had to do negotiations with countries long before, uh, in advance, they could supply them with powder and ball and all the rest of it, and uh, logistics. And they had the islands all mapped out and, and ready to go where they would bring all this pirated stuff into they also had treaties made with, with France who would finance them through this war. Uh, it took a lot of planning and preparation to set it off, and it was a Masonic-led uh, revolution. That's why uh, 33, uh, 33 of the 50-odd founding fathers signed the declaration. It was for the, the high number 33 because the sun uh, rises on the 30th degree and, and, and sets at 33, the same as Jesus comes on the, the scene at the age of 30 and dies at 33. It's the same old Masonic stuff down through the ages, and they do like to stick to their formulas. But um, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. You know. Go ahead. So, so the, the Founding Fathers, um, uh, like all countries that's been created through this technique, England was the first, we must remember, because the English Revolution was before the U.S. Revolution. Everyone seems to forget that. And the colors of the revolution were red, and then had the blue lodge, for, for, so the color blue for open Freemasonry, because the sun is blue when everything is out in the open. And um, white is for the spirit that would really guide it. So that's the colors of revolution, is red, white, and blue. So every country that had the revolution, Britain, the United States, and France, ended up with red, white, and blue on their flag, because it's Kabbalistic. And only the founders understood this religion. 
the lower peasantry didn't know, understand anything about it at all. Uh, when they got together in the convention hall, they barred the doors, they pulled the blinds, they put sentries on the doors to keep the public out, and that was a Masonic meeting they held in Philadelphia, because the, they, they do it in the lodge that ha, in the temple that has no windows. That's why no one could see in. It was a Masonic meeting. And they came out and then said to the people, we, we have given you a government. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, well, there was no vote by the people, you know, to have that government. And that's yeah, the question. Yeah. The public had no say in the whole thing. And then they give you the foundation myth that George Washington could not tell you a lie and all this stuff. You know, it's, these are called foundation myths that they always give every country uh, to make them feel good about themselves. And if you so we definitely had a Masonic influence in the creation of America, yeah. uh, the Revolutionary War. Uh, can you tell us why, what was the real reason that you found for the, for, for the creation of this country? Well, they, they had meetings in Europe before the Revolution. And they had the Concert of Europe, and they had different ones, they call them. And they, they wanted a world society. The, the elite wanted, they knew at the way they were going, they, they couldn't war amongst themselves, the psychopathic crew that gets to the top in this money system. Are, they're always psychopaths. And then they become inbred psychopaths, and then hereditary psychopaths. They knew they couldn't have, keep on having wars without eventually um, having a global society, because every war led to a takeover of other countries and amalgamations uh, that started with alliances to become amalgamated, to become empires, and they knew eventually that they'd end up with one global empire, but they knew they couldn't do it quickly with the countries that, that were already known for plundering every country they went into. That was Britain, France, and, and all the, the Germanic countries and so on. Uh, so they had to create a new knight in shining armor that was going to go for freedom and democracy and all this stuff. Uh, and so they created the United States of America to lead the charge. They also knew by the size of the Americas and the natural resources that it had that that, that would be built up through immigration and manpower to, to lead the world, to be the richest country in the world. It could finance wars. Wars are very expensive. Mm -hmm. And a global war would, would, would cost an awful lot of money and manpower for military. So they had to create this, and they gave, they gave the world this new one, that didn't have a history of, of plundering other nations when it started off. And it led the charge. And of course, even today, <clears throat> when you go across the world, even 20, 30 years ago when you traveled across the world, you'd meet people that were coming from Georgetown University and doing their, their, the students doing their work abroad to help the peoples. But what they were really doing was bringing the American business system with them. Uh, and, and furthering American corporate interests abroad. That's really what they were doing. The U.S. has caused more wars and, and done more warlike things through international uh, corporatism than any other way. Exactly, and through the, uh, uh, the story that Americans are given about uh, the Revolutionary War and the, the purposes for this country, I think, are naive. Mm -hmm. And when we see the... When we see... Uh, what's happened through the course of history and how uh, our country has been subverted, uh, how the Constitution now is gutted, uh, how religious organizations like the Vatican have 
uh, bound together with the uh, secular world, with our government, to uh, move in a certain direction which limits our freedoms in almost every area we look at. Uh, it's high time we do something about it. And is there anything we can do at this point? Uh, well, here's the, here's the dilemma. Uh, the people have come to this point thinking that the past was normal and that the money system was normal. Their industry has gone abroad. They have, most of them saw it happening and didn't recognize it at the time. They floated through the, take the change over to China as the industry was leaving shores. Um, you can't get America back to a phase because all the industry is gone. And under this economic system, if you don't produce products, uh, then you're a service economy. Service economies, as the big economists tell you, are meant as stopgap measures between, some, that between industry and something else. If there's nothing else that takes its place, that the dog that's paddling will eventually flounder and drown. So, so it looks to me like the U.S. Uh, uh, is going to be vastly depopulated in the, in the future. And that ties in with books uh, like Millennium by Jack Satali, a man who helped spearhead the, the unification of Europe and who wrote about the next phase, which is the unification of Americas in his book Millennium, written about 1990. And he said that eventually, um, when the borders were, were, were going down in the Americas, uh, the, the Latin Americans will flood up, and for a while there'll be mayhem as even the big gangs move up. And he it, it said it'll be similar to uh, Attila the Hun invading uh, Rome, etc., the Huns and the Goths and Visigoths. Uh, invading Rome when they come in, but eventually it will settle down. However, he said that America, will, that they knew, will never come back. Uh, in fact, the next boat people will be Americans uh, going across the world looking for employment. So this has all been discussed at top think tanks at international levels for many years. And you talk about the depopulation of America. Uh, tell us what you mean by that. What do they plan? How how do they plan to do that? The depopulation on on one aspect will be, say, mass immigration out of America eventually. But they also believe at the top that they don't want, and they mean this. They don't want what they call useless eaters. These guys at the top want an efficient system where you, you're not born just to play yourself, enjoy yourself, and eat, etc., uh, but rather to produce for the system. I've said before, if there's no work for you to produce for the system, you are therefore a useless eater, and they will not tolerate them to live. Uh, they mean what they say. They want to vastly reduce the population over the next 10, 20 years. If you look at all the agreements that have been signed by every country in the world, even including the Kyoto Agreement. Uh, they want to kick back countries like Canada and America to the pollution standards of pre-1960. Now, pre-1960 had a much smaller population than today. And uh, they want, I mean, electricity, your gasoline, all of those things, you know. That's the China Express going by my house, by the yeah, way. Yeah, is that a yeah. yeah, so we phoned up all the Costco stores across Canada. But the... the um, what part of Canada are you in, by the way, Alan? I'm uh, right up where the Trans-Canada Highway in Ontario goes from across the whole country from the east to the west coast. Yeah. Okay. 
Go ahead, I interrupted you. Go, go back to what you're saying about depopulation. Yeah, well, as I say, people like Bertrand Russell and the Council on Population Control at the United Nations have put up these statements the, that they're going to have vastly reduced populations that will live in these habitat areas. The United Nations has websites up on these habitat areas. And what it boils down to is initially the habitat areas are the, the existing cities that are going to become tremendously overcrowded. But they also have habitat areas with armed guards and perimeter fences uh, with high-tech homes for the high bureaucratic class that will be running the United America for Americas. This is modeled on the Soviet system where no one could leave their area. They all lived in, in, in a form of uh, uh, almost a British third-rate level except for the bureaucracies that served the system they had dash houses in the country where they had servants and they could get away and, and, and you know, enjoy themselves. Well, that was the model that we are now based upon. So these special habitat here, high-tech ones, the pleasant ones, will be for, for, for um, advanced uh, professors and uh, people who have control over parts of indoctrination processes, which is very important. Lenin said it himself. He says you must uh, pay the police, the military, and the, the educationalists very well because they do the indoctrination and they keep uh, the people obedient. So that and how do you think they'll get to that point, uh, the New World Order? What are their plans? I mean, just actual plans. America living now, many people just like nothing's happening, everything's normal. Uh -huh. What do you think you'll see to uh, wake up, I guess, the people that are sleeping to understand that there's a lot of big, there's big changes on the horizon? The, the people who are, who are sleeping will stay sleeping. It's been the same in all ages if you read history. That the, the, the populations, the vast bulk of them, will go to the wall rather than admit what's happening. They want to believe the propaganda. They want to believe the six o'clock news. They want to believe that that the experts are running their lives for them efficiently. Uh, they don't want to know the hard, sad truths about the world. They're perpetual children, and that's what so the socialism is. You see. Right. So they'll go to the wall holding on to the myth and in a state of denial until they personally get hit or thrown out their homes or whatever it may be, and then they'll start howling, then they'll form mobs, and then they'll riot, un uncoordinated mobs which will riot. Uh, and the governments are prepared for this. They've been preparing for 30, 40 years for this by building up big internal armies and rapid deployment forces. The British... Uh, Department of Defense a couple of months ago in the Guardian newspaper released nine pages from the Department of Defense for NATO as well as Britain and the U.S. is part of NATO they all signed the same thing and for the next 20 years they project from the top think tanks in the military they, they project they see nothing but riots and what they call flash mobs uh, from the general population getting increasingly worse uh, over the next 10 to 20 years and they are preparing through their think tanks of every possible scenario that they must do to handle and control the public, including the use of neutron bombs on selected target groups within the population. This is from the biggest defense department on the planet. Now, what would, what would take, what on earth is going to happen to make Joe Sixpack uh, get off his chair and actually take part in something, albeit rioting? Well, what it will be is the effects of things like Kyoto. They're going to stop 
giving you your gasoline is going to get rationed in the future. They want non-essential vehicles only eventually on the roads for the habitat areas. They're going to cut back uh, um, electricity uh, usage drastically. All the things, all the conveniences that you have, and they're also going to give you less and less employment. So you're going to get rioting breaking out, uncoordinated uh, riots that will be dealt swiftly, uh, with swiftly by, by the police and the military-type forces that are being trained to deal with this now. And uh, with your best of your knowledge, how far away is this when they start, when these drastic measures start taking place? We're now in, what, 2007? What, what do you think? <clears throat> Once the United Nations is declared uh, the, 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 to be the, the sovereign government of the world, and the United Americas has taken place officially, the last part of the signaturing, the, the, the signing of the, the, the Americas be done in 2010. Uh, I think the second or third part is being signed this month, this coming month, in uh, Quebec with, all, with the President and the Prime Minister of Canada and Mexico. Uh, by 2010, the Americas have to be united completely with its own form of a, a Brussels-type government and even discussed creating the new uh, capital of the Americas in Quebec. That was decided back in the 1990s when they did the free trade negotiations. Um, 2012, the UN is to be made the, the official government of the world. That means that the, the U.S. President, uh, 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 Congress will be like um, a provincial government, and so will the Canadian one. Right, and we'll be united with Canada and, uh, and Mexico, correct? And Chile and a few others, yeah. All right, let's take a two-minute break at the top of the hour. We'll be back uh, right after these short messages with Alan Watt. I woke up today, I was crying, lost in the lost world. So many people are dying. Lost in the lost world 